Thank you for joining us here at Fellowship Church for today's message. Our desire is to encourage others to love God, love people, and impact the world. And we would love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So take a moment and visit us online at fellowshipws.org. Find the Share Your Story button and tell us what God is doing in your life. While you are there, you'll also find useful information about our church and other resources that will bring you closer to Christ. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. In the Bible, tell somebody a moment. There are moments in life that are crystallized in our minds. We have multi-generations in this room. The baby boomer generation, a moment that is crystallized forever in their minds. They know where they were when, when uh, President Kennedy got shot. You know where you were. You know where you were wearing. You know who you were talking to. For my generation, we know where we were when 9-11 happened. I remember I was in my office. I remember the exact spot where I was. I remember the color of the walls where I were. Because when significant moments happen in our lives, it's like it's imprinted on our minds and our spirits forever. Somebody say moments. And we're going to talk about a moment that happened here in Scripture that people think about it only happened to one person. But the moment was shared by two people. And God spoke to me early in the week to let me know that there are people that are both on either side of the spectrum of this moment. We're going to come starting from 2 Samuel, the fourth chapter, and the fourth verse. It's just simply one verse. And it says this, Saul's son, Jonathan, had a son named Mephibosheth. Somebody say Mephibosheth. Aren't you glad we ain't in Bible days with them names? And here was the issue with Mephibosheth, y'all. Mephibosheth, who was crippled as a child. He was five years old when the report came from Jezreel that Saul and Jonathan had been killed in battle. You have to understand that he was the grandson of Saul. He was the son of Jonathan. Jonathan was the best friend of David. And he was five years old when he heard word that his daddy and his granddaddy had gotten killed. When a nurse who was taking care of him heard of the news, she picked him up and fled. Now, that's a good thing. That's the right thing to do. But as she hurried away, the word of God said she dropped him. Somebody say she dropped him. And he became crippled. My subject today is at the king's table. Now, that doesn't make sense right now because we're talking about him being crippled. But tell somebody there's a place for you at the king's table. You may be seated. There's a place for you at the king's table, people of God. And one might say, I struggled, and I wrestled with this word all week. I, I, I was talking with my wife, and I called one of my uh, pastor friends, and it's like, man, I'm having writer's block, man, because I know what I want to say, but it's not coming. Anybody ever been there where you're just having writer's block? Try to sit in another location, try to go through a park and see if I get some other inspiration, see if God would speak to me another way. And I just wouldn't get, just wouldn't get it, and it finally hit me. She's fine. It finally hit me about Mephibosheth. 
Somebody say Mephibosheth. You know what Mephibosheth represents? Oh, yeah, he's the grandson of Saul. He's the son of Jonathan. But he represents unrealized potential. You have to understand, he was next in line to be king. There was Saul. There was his daddy, Jonathan, and it was him. One would think that he had the privileged life. He was like, you know, uh, Prince Charles and Prince Diana's son. All they got to do is live in the lap of luxury. But because he was, here's the first thing, because he was of royal lineage that put him under threat. You see, the nurse would have never had to run with him if his life wasn't under threat. Somebody said you're under threat. We always want to claim, oh, we're, child, we're children of the kingdom of God and blah, blah, blah. And all that's well and good when we want to claim the good stuff. But the fact of the matter is, people of God, we are under threat. We're under attack. Because the devil does not like the fact that you left him. Every day you serve God, you remind him of what he no longer can do. You remind him of his failure. You remind him of the fact that he tried to overthrow God and he lost. And so by virtue of you serving God with all your heart, with all your might, with all your strength, as the Shema tells us to do, it is a, it is a reproof and a rebuke to the devil, and he hates it. And so his mission, because he knows he's already doomed, is to put you under threat. And say, yeah, you may be a child and a grandchild of the king, but my job is to cripple you. See, by virtue of him being crippled, he no longer qualified to be king. Because after all, how could you lead somebody to be a, be a strong man? And this is what people believe then. How could you be a strong person? When the fact of the matter, I believe the President, President Eisenhower, well, he, he, he was in a wheelchair and was running the country. But back then, they, they looked at it that if you weren't a strapping, strong-looking, you know, like you came out of movie casting, if you didn't look the king's part, you couldn't lead the people. Somebody say crippled. And so we're going to talk about three things today in this unique story. The fact of the matter is, people of God, that Mephibosheth was a victim. Somebody say victim. He was minding his own business. He was just being a little boy like anybody else. He found himself under a threat and somebody was trying to get him away to safety, but they dropped him. Anybody in this place ever been dropped? You may not physically been dropped, but maybe you put your confidence in somebody. It said, I'll be there. I got your back. Maybe you trusted that man. Maybe you trusted that woman and you believe when they said they loved you, they never leave you. When they say to death do us part through sickness and health and all those promises, all those vows, and they dropped you. Or maybe you had your confidence in a man or woman of God. We elevated them to superhuman status and we forgot that they're just flesh and blood just like us. And because your confidence was in man, you let them determine your confidence in God. Tell somebody, I've been dropped before. Can, can, I, can I see the hand of somebody who's been dropped before? If we can't be honest in church, what can we be? Tell somebody, I've been dropped before. Confess to somebody. Confession is good for the soul. 
we be honest, it crippled us. Even if it was temporarily, it affected our ability to walk this walk that we're supposed to be walking with God. Tell somebody, I've been a victim before. People you put your confidence in. People you told your secrets to. People you trusted. And people can't do that unless they're close to you. Am I telling the truth? You can't stab. Now, you might can shoot me from afar, but you can't stab me unless you're close. Anybody ever been dropped by somebody real close to you? Well, I want you to know it wasn't your fault that you got dropped. But people of God, it'll be your fault if you stay crippled. If you allow what happened to you to affect your walk, it's nobody's fault but your own. Is there not a bomb in Gilead? Oh God, I feel you. For the healing of the nation. Maybe you're not there. Maybe you're not the victim. But here's the problem. In this society, society celebrates victimization. And you may be in the place like Mephibosheth was, that through no fault of my own, I'm living. Through no fault of my own, I'm wounded. See, it's, it's one thing if I do something crazy, I go out there and skin my own knees up. But when you push me over when I'm trying to escape, and I skin up my own knee, that was totally preventable. But the fact of the matter is, people of God, even though we may be victims, we cannot fall prey to being in victimization. Victimization is the practice of perpetually being a victim. I think I gave Sister Heather something in the back. I ain't looking at no notes or nothing. But I think it says don't let your victimization become justification for your bitterness. They were wrong as two left shoes. They should have been more careful. The nurse should have been more careful, Sister Noah. She was, she was right to get him out of harm's way. But it says she was hurrying and she dropped him. She should have been more careful. People should have been more careful with your heart. They should have been more careful with, the, with, with, with what you told them. The secrets that you told them. What you trusted them with. They should have been more careful. They were in a rush. They, 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 got, they, got, they got crazy because I mean, we all subject to be crazy every now and then. And they dropped us. 
You had your time to cry about it. You had your time to soak about it. You had your time to put your sackcloth and ashes about it. But if you keep rehearsing that same place, if you keep rehearsing your falling moment, you, 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 you try to transfer your victimization into your justification for why you're still here. I'd be further along, but if it wasn't for that old man I married, I mean, he stole all the good years of my life. Well, now is an acceptable time to serve the Lord. If you believe God's word, he said, I can restore unto you the years that the canker worm and the palmer worm have stolen. So forget that. Forget Junebug and forget Bubba Lou. I wonder how many years God can restore whatever you give to him. Because little becomes much in the hands of the Father. Don't let your victimization become justification to stay where you are. We're not in denial that it happened. We're not in denial that it hurt. But now what? I thought about naming the message this week. Now that we're here, what do we do now? You ever see a daughter just chase cars? Once he catch up to the car, you know what he do? He just go back to the yard and wait for, wait for another car to change. Once you catch up, once, once, once you give him a piece of your mind, once you tell him off for hurting you, then what? <laughs> once you get him back, once you get the corner office, once you get the Mercedes, once you get the 3,000 square foot house and you show them that I'm going to make it, that I didn't need then what? Once you show your ex-husband that I'm going to lose this weight and I'm going to walk by him, I'm going to fling my hair, and I'm going to show him the good thing he missed, then what? Then what? What did you gain? You shouldn't let people have that much control over your life. I'm going to lose weight because I want to get fit and I want to be healthy and I want to live a long life. Forget you. Tell somebody, don't let your victimization become justification for your bitterness. Let it go. That was worth the trip. Tell somebody, tell them, let it go. It's robbing time and years and energy and vitality out of you. Let it go. Better yet, let them go. See, we determine our strength. The society tells us that we determine our value and our strength by what we hold on to and what we possess. But in the kingdom of God is what you let go of. Tell somebody and tell them, let go. So my first part of the message is for the victims in this room. And we're going we're gonna to give space and opportunity for God to do something in the next couple of minutes. But the next person is the victim. The first person is the victim. Tell us about it, the victim. And it's true. Before Chef, well, he was a victim. But the next person who may be in this room, and I know he's in this room because God told me he'd be in this room, is the nurse 
who's the perpetrator. And it's not to come beat you down, but you have to understand. Can you imagine the guilt and the shame that she had knowing that she affected the whole direction of a nation because she dropped the precious heir to the throne? There, there are people in this room who have been leaders. There have been people in this room who people, have, who people have trusted in, who people have put their confidence in, who people have trusted in you, people have confided in you, and through human frailty, because we hold this truth, an earthen vessel, we drop somebody. Now, can I see the hand of somebody who's dropped somebody? Oh, God bless you for your honesty. See, everybody want to claim victimization, but nobody want to claim the accountability of dropping somebody. Maybe in your, in, 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 your, in your most earnest and sincere efforts to be the best parent you could be. They made it through their years. And they come and tell you, you didn't do this for me. You didn't do that for me. When I needed you, you weren't there. You thought I wanted the shoes and the video games and all this. But all I wanted to do, all I wanted was your approval and you to say, I love you. Tell somebody, I've dropped somebody before. Can we be honest in this place? Some of us have been Mephibosheth and some of us have been the nurse. Some of us have been both of them. I've been dropped and I've dropped. Some of us have felt justified in dropping somebody else all because misery loves company. So you got to understand, hurt people hurt people. When it should remind us never to make somebody else feel that way because we know this, but can, can I tell the truth? Can we, can we just be honest that hurt people hurt people? They're going to do it to me. I'm going to make somebody else hurt. I'm going to get them back. I'm going to make you, I'm gonna make you so how it feels to be dropped. I'm going to know how to make you feel. I'm going to pass it along. My mama did me like that. My mama, she raised me like that, and I turned out all right. Well, you know it wasn't good for you, so you're going to pass that craziness on to your child. How in the world are you going to hurt somebody else because you hurt? It's not a rite of passage. God let you survive so you could do better. The word of God called Jesus a kinsman redeemer. You know why he was a kinsman redeemer? Because he felt the same pain we felt. He walked among us. He felt fear. He felt anger. He felt anguish. He, 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 he wrestled with God just like we wrestle with him sometimes in the garden against him and say, God, is there any other way that this bitter cup can pass? He is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He wouldn't be a God who could understand us if he didn't feel what we've been through. Why am I saying that? I'm saying that because if you've been dropped, you should be oh so careful to make sure that you don't perpetuate what has been done to you. I'm not going to be prisoner to people but I'm going to do every effort with it is in my ability not to drop you. But God said there will be people in this room today who, we, who, who have been feeling the weight of dropping somebody. 
and the devil has been hitting you. I see it in your sleep. As you're about to go to bed, he has been hitting you. You should have done better. You had your opportunity and you missed it with your children. You had your opportunity and you missed it with ministry. You had your opportunity and you missed it in your career. And the weight of people who depended on you that didn't get as far as they could have because you were not the spring boy. You became the lid instead of the foundation for other people. And you are living with the guilt and the shame that the nurse lived with that you may have ruined somebody's life and the whole nation all because you dropped some can I see the hand of somebody honest in this place? That not only have I been the victim, but I've been the victimizer. And I've dropped the people, a person or two. God said he's here today to alleviate the weight and the shame that was associated with you dropping the baby. God said, first you have to forgive yourself. God said, if I was through with you, you'd be gone by now. There is still time. Tell somebody, there is still time. So in the same instance, people of God, it was more than one person that got crippled. God bless you, mother. Thank you. The Bible records one person getting crippled. But in the essence, two people got crippled at the same time. One got crippled physically. The other one got crippled mentally. And in their spirit. Turn with me to Samuel, the ninth chapter. But tell somebody, it gets better. Samuel, the ninth chapter, in the third verse. This is after David has made his conquest. He has ascended. He first became the king of Judea, of Judah first, excuse me, Judah. And ultimately ended up conquering Jerusalem. And he went on his conquest. And he was sitting. He's like, wow, God, I'm so thankful. And he asked this of his servant. The king asked him, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show kindness to them. And Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive, but he is crippled in both feet. David then asked, where is he? The servant said, he is in Lodabar at the home of Makar, the son of Ammonel. So the first part, we're talking about the victim of Mephibosheth. The second part, we're talking about the perpetrator of the nurse. This part, we're going to talk about the cage and the prison of Lodabar. Somebody say Lodabar. That sounds like a city you don't even want to go by, don't it? Lodabar was almost like a convalescent center where the maimed and the crippled and the mentally ill and people that could not do anything productive in society 
They sent them to Lodabar where all their needs would be taken care of. The, the, the word of God says right here in 2 Samuel, the ninth chapter, that, all, that, that, that Mephibosheth, he was well taken care of. He had servants. He had a field. He had all that stuff. He had all the creature comforts as if he was still part of royalty. But he was in this incubator of this dysfunctional city called Lodabar. Somebody say Lodabar. Lodabar was a place that created comfort for dysfunction. It was a place where people didn't feel out of place because everybody was a misfit. Almost like the pool of Bethesda. Remember, it said the man, there was a certain man that was around the pool with a great number of impotent folk around him. The best way to anesthetize your pain is to be around people just like you and so you're not reminded of the dysfunction that you're in. Somebody say Lodabar. But I will submit to you today, people of God, that Lodabar is not simply a place on a map. Lodabar is a lifestyle. Lodabar is a state of mind. What are you saying, Pastor Tony? I am saying that after you've become the victim, you're going to have to make a choice not to make, build your life around what happened to you. I want people to hear me with your spirits today. Many of us have built our life around we have built our relationships around based on what happened to us, our crippling moment. What, I'm going to make this live. Because you trusted somebody and they betrayed your trust, you've built up scarred tissue around your heart to where you will never trust again. And you're trying to make this journey by yourself. Where God said that it's not good for man to be alone. And so what we do, we throw away the baby with the bathwater and we throw away the institution of relationships all because we picked a bad one. Nothing is wrong with relationship. Even Jesus had to have relationship with 12 men in order to, to, to make sure that after he died that the gospel message would keep going. And guess what? One of the 12 ended up betraying him. You need eagles in life and you need buzzers to clean up too. The cockroach has a purpose. A shrimp has a purpose. Y'all shouldn't be eating them because they're the cockroaches of the sea. But I digress. But the fact of the matter is, y'all, we have been in having a load of bar mentality that I'm going to set up, I'm going to build my life around my dysfunction. And I'm going to surround myself with people that are not going to challenge me because if I get around people who are unlike me, it reminds me how different I am. When God wants to use you with your crippled feet, God wants to use you with your messed up testimony. God wants to use you with a, with, with, with a certificate of divorce down at the county courthouse. God wants to use you. With your messed up and your scarred past. But you got to come out of a loader bar. 
Tell somebody, come out. Come on, talk on them a little bit. Tell them, come out. See, Lodabar was considered like a, a biblical, it would be like a modern day ghetto. That everybody with the same condition lives in the same place and they never experience anything else but the same thing over and over and over again. And if they never experience anything new, they never expect anything new. And so we have put ourselves in the cage of a load of bar mentality all because we were a victim or we were a perpetrator. Either way, the devil still works with either shame, guilt, victimization or whatever and we place ourselves in a place where we cannot hear, receive God from other people because we have a mentality that we, we have blocked out the possibility that we can get out. Tell somebody you can get out. You can walk out. Even if you're limping, you can walk out. Even if you got to have a cane and a crutch, you can walk out. There is still space for you to walk out, people. Lodabar was a place of, of anesthesia and amnesia. Numb me from the pain of my past. Oh, we, and we know how to wrap it up in such religious... Whew, we can wrap it up and make it sound so good in religion. Honey, I'm just so satisfied with God. He ain't got to do another thing. Well, you know in that left corner of your heart down there it is weeping and bleeding and crying because you know what God called you you heard God with clarity and you see you you and you see that it is not turning out like you thought it was and so you start lowering the bar low the bar you start lowering the bar so that your expectation because if I anesthetize the pain if I act like it doesn't exist it can't hurt me but in the inner recesses when you go to sleep at night those ghosts come out of the closet the boogeyman's come from up under the bag and it reminds you of what you are not God is saying today that even though you may be crippled you may be crippled you are still son of a king. It did not change the royalty that flowed through his blood, although he was crippled. He thought it'd be better. People are, people are not, look, look, look. He already presupposed in his mind that people are not going to receive me as a rightful heir to the throne. So I'm going to go around people who are dysfunctional like me and I don't have to be reminded of what I could have become. I can just make and create a whole new world around what I am. But God said it does not yet appear what you shall be. But you can't camp around what you are. And you can't camp around what happened. Oh God, I thank you. That even though you may be crippled, even though you may be used, abused, and diced up in little itty bitty pieces, there is still the blood of a king inside of you. Jesus. There is still the blood of royalty flowing inside of your veins. And the minute you receive it and you accept it, there is a call coming to get you out of Lodabar. I got proof for it. 
David said, where is he? He said, he's down at Lodabar down in Makar house. He said, we're going to go and we're going to find him. G, uh, David found him and he said, don't be afraid, David said. I intend, listen to this, y'all. I'm going to show you the imagery in a minute. David said, don't be afraid, Mephibosheth. I intend, listen to this, people of God. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father. I would give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather. And from now on, you will eat with me here at the king's table. God, I thank you. Can I speak something into your lives, people of God? There are promises. There are firm things that God has promised to people that are long gone in your life. Later on in this scripture, David assigned other people, some other servants to take care of Mephibosheth's land back in Lodabar. He said, I'm going to assign some other people. He said, but from now on, Whenever you eat, God, tell somebody besides you, from now on, whenever you eat, it's going to be at the king's table. That even though you're crippled, even though you had those babies out of wedlock, even though you smoked more crack than a little bit, even though you did all kind of crazy stuff, God said, come with your crippled, crazy, blind, hope, self. There is a seat at the king's table for you. But you got to come out of Lodabar. I've assigned servants to take care of your matters back in Lodabar. Don't worry about it. It's going to be taken care of. Ain't nobody going to steal. They're still going to tend to your land. But whenever you eat, whenever you dine, whenever you nourish yourself, you need to come sit at your rightful place because you are still royalty, even though you are crippled, even though you are blind, even though you have wasted more years than you spent more good years. God said there is a seat for you at the table but you gotta get up with bonus you gotta claim your spot that I'm still royalty with all my flaws I still got the blood of a king inside of me with all my frailties with all my mess ups there is a seat at the table everybody's standing it doesn't matter whether you're the victim whether you're the perpetrator Can somebody lift their hands in a test? So if you if you if you if you made you made a you made a habitation in Lodabar because of what happened to you? Come on, can we be honest? Confession is good for the soul. Tell somebody I made tell somebody I made a habitation in Lodabar. Lodabar means you literally are low in the bar. That even though I am royalty, even though I am a king's kid, even though I am made to soar like an eagle, 
I have, I have built my life around what happened to me. Can I tell you some people of God, you are not what happened to you. You are not the divorce. You are not the rape. You are not the molestation. You are not any of those things. You are who what God called you and made you be. You are the head and not the tail. You are both only and not beneath. You are the righteousness of God seated with him in heavenly places. And it's time to take your seat at the king's table. Right now, if I, if I spoke anything to you, you and, and, and it doesn't mean that you've been in sin, but if, 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 this, if this message touches you at any, at any level, I want you to come down to the altar and we're going to give either our victimization or the guilt of, of dropping somebody right now. It doesn't mean that you're in sin. Come on, come on. Let's begin to lift our hands and let's begin to worship. Thank him that he has taken away the guilt. He has taken away the shame. He is taking away the stubbornness. Come on, let's clap for those that are coming to get free, y'all. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Just begin to lift your hands and begin to worship Lord and thank him. Come on, right now, right now, begin to worship the Lord and thank him that he is taking away the guilt and the shame of what happened to you. Let me tell you, woman and man of God, you are not what happened to you. You are still royalty. You are still a king's child. There is still a seat for you at the table, but you have to stop using what happened to you as a crutch. Come on, I want, you to, I want you to repeat after me. Say, Father God, I thank you that you have left me alive for this moment. Say, Lord, I thank you that you did not let me die in my crippled state. Say, Lord, I thank you that you would not allow me to live in Lodabar any longer. So, God, right now, I let go of the moment that I became a victim. Say, God, right now, I let go of the moment that I dropped somebody. The moment that I let somebody down. I said, right now, God, I receive your restoration of my place at the table. Say, God, right now, Lord, I admit that I built a life around the thing that happened to me. Say, but today, say, God, I'm burning it all down. I don't need that life anymore. I don't need those crutches anymore. I don't need that system that has been insulated. My dysfunction. Say, God, right now, I accept my royalty. I Except that I am a king's child. Thank you for tuning in today with Fellowship Church. We pray that you were blessed by the message. And we would like to connect with you through our website, fellowshipws.org, or facebook.com slash at the fellowship. If you are ever in the greater triad area, we would love for you to be our VIP for weekend worship experience on Sundays at 1030 a.m. On behalf of Pastor Tony and the Fellowship family, thank you again for joining us. And remember to love God, love people, and impact the world.